Good morning. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 27, page 18 in the Pew Bible. Uh, this passage, this chapter is so, um, it's got so much depth and so rich and it's got so much uh, going on in it. And I'm actually going to preach it twice, not today. I'm going to preach it once. This, I'm going to preach one aspect of it this week and I'm going to preach the, the whole narrative of it next week. But I feel like I had to preach this one aspect of it today for the impact of what's um, going on in the full narrative next week. Okay? So this morning we're going to talk about blessing. We're going to talk about the blessing, not just any blessing, not just a, a table blessing or anything like that. The blessing, the blessing that is given from a parent to child in this, uh, in this passage is going to be father to son. The blessing, the greatest blessing that uh, the parent can give. And I felt like when I was um, when I was prepping this, uh, it's sort of like um, preaching about prayer. You can preach about prayer all you want, uh, but preaching about prayer doesn't always help people pray better. Praying helps you pray better. Okay? Talking about prayer doesn't help you pray better. Praying helps you pray better. Uh, and today, uh, with this uh, the topic of blessing here, I felt like I could talk about it until I was blue in the face. But I, what I actually really want is for all of you to feel the, the sort of the the weight and the goodness uh, and uh, um, the feeling of being blessed. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about uh, a little bit about the importance of the blessing, sort of some of the aspects of the blessing, and then at the very end of the service, uh, we're going to bless you. We're going to bless you. I'm, I'm going to call the elders up, and I've written up a sort of a generic blessing, and you may not feel like it's very specific to you. You may not feel like it's very personal uh, for you, but it's going to con uh, contain all of these things that I'm going to talk about in the blessing today. And we're just going to bless you. And, and we hope that you are truly blessed. We hope that you truly feel blessed uh, after we give this blessing to you. Okay? So let's go ahead and we're going to read not the whole chapter. We're just going to read parts of the chapter. Lord, help us as we open your word. Help us to learn from it. Uh, and help us to be blessed by you while we study, while we think about these things. Help us to feel the weight of the blessing. When Isaac was old, his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am. And Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now skip down to verse 25. Uh, those are just a couple of verses. And then uh, after those verses comes an incredible deception. A plot is hatched. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. So uh, that, that plot, that deception, just put that out of your mind for a few minutes. And we're going to talk about uh, Isaac here, who's the one being duped and the one that doesn't know that uh, what's going on. He's the one that's sort of, uh, I guess you could say, pure of heart in, in this whole matter. Look at verse 25. Then he said, and that is Isaac, then Isaac said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him. Wait a second, it's not Jacob, it's Esau, right? It's supposed to be, or that's, what I, that's who Isaac thinks it is. This is part of the deception. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and Isaac drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him, so Jacob went to him, Jacob went to him, and Isaac kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, and Jacob was wearing 
Esau's clothes. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Now, when we read through this blessing, uh, this is just sort of the grammar or the, or the, the theology, that just something, something about Hebrew that you need to see. There are some parallel lines. There are some parallel lines. It's probably brought out in your Bible, some parallel lines. And what it is is just sort of emphasizing, and it's good Hebrew poetry. Isaac is actually speaking, not just a blessing, but speaking a poetic blessing over his son. Isn't that, isn't that great? Don't you, you want the, uh, your words are, if your words became poetry, wouldn't that be great? Isn't that the mark of a, of a, of a very intelligent person, a, a very spirit-led person, that the words are just pure poetry coming out? All the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. So this is, this is sort of one line, and this is the second, the parallel line. What it means is, how do you get abundance of grain and new wine? Well, when heaven's dew uh, and earth's richness blesses what you planted, that's how you get these things. Those lines are parallel. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. That's very parallel. Nations serving you, peoples bowing down to you. That's real parallelism. But look at all of these things. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. And then here's the last and the biggest kicker of the blessing. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. And that uh, really harkens back to God's blessing on Abraham. Those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. Uh, so in all of this, in all of this, what Isaac is attempting to do is, it, it's more than just giving his last will and testament. Uh, it, a blessing is, is bigger than that. Uh, a blessing is a statement over you. It's a well-wish for you. It's even, in the Old Testament here, it's sort of a prophecy over you. Many times in the Old Testament, when the fathers are blessing their sons, they're telling them things about their character. Uh, and sometimes the blessings are, aren't really nice. Sometimes it's a very harsh truth that the son needs to hear. But it's also often this well-wish that I hope something for you. I, I pray something for you. God is involved in this. Uh, and the heritage that I have, the spiritual heritage that I have, the belief that I have, the calling that God has given me, I'm now passing that on to you. It's got this real spiritual overtone with it, but it's also got some, uh, the idea of tangibles along with it, uh, because there's there's sort of this um, giving of the possessions over as well. So it's, it's a last will and testament, but it's also a prayer and prophecy. It's a very spiritual thing and a sort of a legal thing all, all wrapped into one. In all of my studies about Jacob, Esau, uh, and Isaac's story, the, the birthright and, and the blessing, they are uh, they're talked about over and over again. And every time I read about them, they, 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 they somehow, they, they always seem kind of the same to me. They're so intertwined. What does it mean to be the first one? What does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to get the blessing uh, of your parent, of your father, uh, in this case? And so we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the aspects of this, some of the aspects of this. Um, and the aspects of it, that much of the study that I've gotten from this has come very well from this book right here. Um, this book is called The Blessing, and it's written by Gary Smalley and John Prince. Do you, anybody recognize the game from the name Gary Smalley? Gary Smalley is a, a psychologist uh, and a Christian thinker. Have you ever have you ever heard of the word uh, the, the book The Five Love Languages? Uh, he wrote that. He's uh, he's, he's been very He's been very influential, I, I feel like, in American Christian 
helping uh, husbands and wives relate, uh, helping parents relate to their children. And this book right here is, is very important. And the thing that he points out in the very first chapter, the thing that I want to point out uh, the most, um, there, there are a couple of stories that he talks about uh, in this. And he's, he's talking about the importance of a parent taking time and talking to their child and blessing their child and for the child to know that they've been blessed. Okay? So when it comes to sort of parent-child relations, uh, it's very important that your child knows how you feel about them. And it's very important that your child knows what you want for them and what you are doing for them. It's not enough that you have good intentions. It's not enough that you have good thoughts about your child. It is imperative and paramount that you communicate those things to your child. And he, the first couple of stories, the first chapter in this, is very heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking because he, ta- he talks about the withholding of the blessing. The, the very first part of this book, the more, so, so it seems like you know he would just dive into the importance of the blessing, but what he really talks about is the tragedy of the blessing not being given. And some of you, it, it may be hard for you to think about this, and it may be hard for you to read this book, and I, I encourage you all to read this book. And it's never too late. You might say, well, my kids are grown. Uh, it's, it's too late for that. No, it's not. Remember, Jacob and Esau here are 40 years old when this is happening. Okay, uh, And Isaac is actually, he says, I don't know the day of my death. I'm a very old man. He certainly doesn't know the day of his death because he's going to live for another 20 years after. Okay, So I, I just want to encourage you that it's not too late. Even if your children are adults, even if you feel like you've lost contact with them, even if you feel like, well, it probably wouldn't be uh, helpful, their formative years are over, I say, phooey. When are your formative years over? I don't know. I still feel like I'm being formed. And I feel like if my parents sat down with me and, and gave me any kind of blessing or encouraging words, guess what? It would still bless and encourage me even at this age. Last words on a deathbed are very important. This is the last message that you can give your child, and your children value those things, even if they're 50, 60 years old. People want to know that they have their parents' blessing. In the first couple of, uh, first chapter of this book, he talks about this one guy, a guy named Brian. And Brian uh, grew up in a household, uh, and his dad was a Marine Corps drill instructor. My, maybe that would be hard to live up and to grow up in that house, in the house of a Marine Corps drill instructor. Uh, and so, a Marine Corps drill instructor. How often are they encouraging and positive towards their recruits? Never. Okay, heard some laughter over here from a veteran. Okay, uh, they are never, they are never positive encouragement. You're always just a scum-sucking maggot, and you always need to run faster, run harder, run farther, or what's going to happen to you? More prisoners. Okay, that is exactly the way a Marine Corps drill instructor uh, uh, treats their recruits. And unfortunately, Brian got treated about the same way. Nothing was ever good enough. He never had a blessing any kind of positive encouragement. And his father's biggest dream for him was that he would grow up and be a Marine Corps officer. And so Brian grew up, he enlisted, and then he didn't make much. He got kicked out. And the funny thing was that he got kicked out for uh, disobedience and getting into a fight with his drill instructor. And I think anybody that's taken Psychology 101 will recognize right there, is he fighting his Marine Corps drill instructor? Absolutely not. He's fighting his dad. Fighting his dad. And as a result, his father never spoke to him again. And Brian went to his father's bedside uh, 
while his father was dying, his father had gone into a coma, and he's sitting there crying and begging and pleading for his father to say something to him before he died. And didn't happen. He didn't get the blessing. And so Brian, or Gary, and John here, they know this story because Brian came to them for counseling. Because the withholding of that blessing from his father affected him for the rest of his life. And the next, the next story in it was a young girl named Nancy, whose uh, mother was a very genteel Southern woman who uh, went to teas and things like this. And she dressed like a, uh, you know, like the steel magnolia lady or whatever, you know, something like that. Only Nancy didn't grow up prim and proper. She didn't have the body to fit in pretty dresses, uh, the neat little dresses, and she didn't particularly care for teas. She was more of a tomboy. But her sister was a pretty one. And so Nancy's mother uh, gravitated to the one that she would like, gravitated to the one who was going to be the ideal debutante. And so Nancy grew up without that blessing from her mother, that affirmation from her mother. And she grew up and she had uh, a couple of daughters herself. And one of the daughters looked just like her. And the other daughter was pretty. And her mother, her grandmother, uh, favored not getting the blessing from her mother, and it was also seeing her mother not give the blessing to one of her children, and her two more. The withholding of the blessing tells you how important the blessing is. You might feel like blessing or whatever, okay, it's important, maybe it's not important, I don't know. But when we turn it on its head and see what the withholding of the blessing is, it, it pushes us right in the heart, doesn't it? And I'll, I'll show you some of the aspects of the blessing they talk about in this book, and it's also reflected in our scripture passage. So here's the blessing. Here are the core aspects of the blessing. Number one, a meaningful touch. A meaningful touch. You might not feel like that's important, uh, but what if it's withheld? What if your parent never touched you? You know, when children are born nowadays, when babies are born nowadays, when I was born, they, they, you were born, and then they took you to the nursery, and they outfitted you, and they put you in the crib and everything, and they let the mother rest, and the nurses tended to the baby, and everything. And that's not what they do anymore. You know what they do now? They take the baby, clean them up a little bit, and the first thing they do is, as fast as they possibly can, they put the baby right on the mother so that the contact is there. Because it's a traumatic thing being born. Thankfully, we all uh, have blocked it out. Uh, we don't remember being born. But the number one way, the best way to uh, bond with the child and to calm the child down after they've gone through this traumatic thing is to put the child right in the skin, right on the mother. Meaningful touches is important. Uh, and you may not think that it's a, that important. But what if it's withheld? Then you know how important it is. Uh, a spoken message. A spoken message. You might not feel like that's important, but what if your parents never really said anything to you? Never talked to you about you? Okay? That's hurtful. Attaching high value to the one being blessed. All right? To, to tell your child that how much you value them, how valuable they are to you in the family, and how valuable they are to God. may not seem like a big deal, except if it's withheld withheld, you grow up insecure your entire life, not knowing how important you, you are to your parents. And they are, you probably are important to your parents, but if they never said so, you always have that nagging doubt in the back of your mind. Picturing a special future for the one being blessed. Uh, now this is an, an interesting, to me this is an interesting uh, thing for us to think about, because we have a couple of different parenting styles 
We have a parenting style uh, that they often call, I guess it's not a helicopter mom, maybe it's a tiger mom. Have you ever heard of a tiger mom? Um, the tiger, there's a book called Tiger Mom, and it was written by a Chinese woman. Okay? And I will tell you this, I will tell you this, um, Chinese parents take an incredible interest in their children's future. Okay? Now, it's not that your parents didn't care anything about your future, okay? but Chinese parents tend to uh, uh, create the path. You don't grow. You don't ask a Chinese child, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" You, you ask their parents, "What are you? What are they going to be when they grow up? What have you chosen for them?" Something like that. Now that's a stereotype. It's probably not true in, in all circumstances. But um, Chinese parents, Asian parents—I wouldn't say Chinese, but Asian parents—tend to take an incredible role in guiding their children to the path that they have chosen for them. Okay? And as a result, some of those young people, all they want to do is break free of the chart that has been, uh, the path that has been charted for them. But over on the other side, over on the other side in the world, we have a lot of parents who really just don't care, who really don't, just don't care. They'll give their children any guidance about what they ought to do when they grow up, and what they ought to be in life, what kind of character they ought to have, or anything about their future. Well, that's yours, that's yours kid. You just, you just figure that out on your own, kid. Uh, and uh, I will say this, your child is probably not wise enough your child is probably not wise enough uh, to have a realistic picture of what the future is like. They need your help. They need your help. They need your help to keep them grounded. All right? Or else somebody like me might say, I'm going to grow up and be in the NBA. And that is not true. That was never true in my life. I never wanted that. But if I had grown up thinking that there was a chance I was going to be a professional basketball player, and my parents never sat me down and said, you can't run jumpers. And those are very important things. Maybe you ought to have it. All right? At least, at least they would have been kind to do that. Maybe in the back of the conversation. It doesn't work out. But having a... And so you can take this one to extreme. You can take this one to extreme. You can either chart your child's entire future and nothing will happen uh, besides what you have uh, planned out and it will not work out for you. Or you can take no interest in what your child's that's not going to work out very well for you either. So, all things in moderation, right? Having a bit of, uh, having interest, and of course we all have interest in how our children turn out, and what they do, what they uh, will do uh, in their life for work. Um, but not caging them in, but also telling them, this is what you're good at, maybe you ought to pursue this. This is not what you're good at. Maybe that, maybe that career option is not a very good idea uh, for you. Okay? Something like that. Giving them some kind of framework and some kind of realistic picture about what trade school or college or something like that is like. Giving them a, a little bit of a picture of what the real world is like. They need that framework. And they need to know that there is hope for them in the future. I think a lot of kids these days, um, you know, there, there, there are a couple of kids. There are kids that grow up dreamers, kids that grow up with a, a, a life plan, and they're, they're confident a bit to get out there and, and get going on it. And then there are other kids that are like, I don't know. What do I want to do? I don't know. Nothing. I don't want to do anything. And it's a parent's job to guide the one that has all the gumption in the drive. And the one that doesn't have any gumption in the drive, reports to the parents to give them a little gumption in the drive. Okay. At least tell them what the consequences will be. And, and let them know. 
fifth and final thing is to have a commitment to fulfill the blessing because your child is going to need your help and they need to know that you are all in on their future as well. They need to know that you're going to sacrifice whatever it takes to help them launch from your home in a successful place. They need to know. So for this picture that we have in the Bible here, how does it Come near to me, son, and kiss me. Very intimate. Very close. So close. Not just a not a handshake, not a chuck on the shoulder. Come near and kiss me. We don't do that. Uh, men don't kiss men much in the West. All right? Um, but come near. Kiss me. Kiss me on the cheek. Kiss me on the nose, son. Come that close to me. Embrace me, son, while I'm here on my bed. I'm, I'm, I'm an old man. I'm dying. I'm blind. Uh, come here and kiss me. Get so close to me that... He doesn't say, oh, look at you, son. You're so big and strong. He, he, he used the, the senses that he's got left. I smell you. I smell you. And, and what does he say to him? Let's just go back to that question. Uh, what do you smell like, son? Whoops. You smell like a field, the open field. A field that the Lord has left. This is the reality of who you are. You are supposedly you are. Uh, you smell like a field because you're out in the open you smell not just like any open field. You feel you smell like a field that the Lord has blessed. The Lord is with you. The Lord is blessing you. There's some spiritual attachment. I'm bringing the Lord into this blessing with me as well. And then uh, may God give you. I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm invoking God down on the spoken message. I'm invoking God's blessing on you. May God give you. Because it can't come from me. I'm gonna, I want to ask God to give you everything that I can give you. I'm giving you all my the, the will is signed, all of this stuff. Um, I'm giving you my possessions, but I, I'm asking God to give you the things that I can't give you. May nations serve you. I'm picking this, uh, this wonderful future for you where you're not bullied. Uh, they, you bully them. I don't think that's the way it is, but, but you're not subject to anybody. And remember, at this time, they don't rule the land of Canaan. The land of Canaan influences them more than they influence the land of Canaan. May that be turned around. Be Lord over your brothers, because that's your rightful place as firstborn. And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. And then the heritage, uh, the heritage of the blessing, uh, is the same one that God gave to Abraham. All right. Um, and I just want to point out one more thing about Jesus. I think Jesus is one of the things that they point out in the first passage. So great. And point number three, attaching high value to the one being blessed. Uh, and of course, the Lord did this for. Better than anybody. God the Father does this for God the Son does it for anybody. Uh, a meaningful touch, the Spirit of God descending on him. Uh, that's a meaningful touch. A spoken message and attaching to high value. What did he say at the bad baptism? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay? That really that really attaches that high value. And then of course with Jesus, people are going to leave the name above everything. Everything is going everybody's going to be you your name someday. And then of course God is committed to And so now I've talked about the blessing. I've talked about the blessing. And I want the elders to come forward. I want you to feel the weight of the blessing uh, in the form of being blessed. Okay? More than just me talking about it anymore, I want you to be blessed. And we're going to play a song while, uh, uh, while this is happening. But I want, uh, I, uh, I guess uh, we had a conversation of, of, of 
how am I going to, how are we going to do this? How am I going to tell you? Anybody who's not comfortable with this, you can stay where you are. But I want to all, I want to invite you, uh, and I also want to command you. I want to command you in the form of an invitation that you can refuse, but I hope you don't, because I want everybody to come forward and be blessed. And we're going to have, we have some male elders, elders we have some female elders, you line up behind the, a male or female, depending on who you are, and they're going to give you this blessing. And how's it going to how's it going to happen? Um, they're going to put a hand on your shoulder, a meaningful touch, and then they're going to speak some scripture over you, and it's all written out here. And then they're going to tell you about the special plan God has for your life. Okay? Just that God has a special plan for your life, and remind you that He has an eternity plan for us. And then they're going to speak a last of this church in your life to bless you and to help you grow uh, as a Christian. Would you, would you be blessed this morning? Elder, would you please come forward? Elder and former elders? Lord, please make this a special time. Make this a time for anyone who's never been blessed. They feel like they've never been blessed in their life. For anybody who feels like there's a sort of a vacuum of blessing in their life. Anybody who feels you know, like they've been neglected. That there's some, some approval, some indication that they've never got. Lord, please bestow that upon them this morning. Because, Lord, no matter what our parents have been like in our life, whether they've been present or absent, you are our heavenly Father, and Lord, you have blessed us, and you are a blessing, and you will bless us in the future. Help us to feel the weight of your blessing on us this morning. Please come forward.